everyone and welcome to this week's Slice of Kent Non-League Podcast Goodness. I am John Phipps and as always on the line now is a man who did me a massive favour on Monday, Mr Matt Gerrard. How are you Matt? Yeah, not too bad. And apparently I went to an old location of football grounds through that favour to you John. So um, could I have been stood in the old centre circle of this ground where I picked this? Bit of equipment up for you. Well, possibly, yes. So basically, the story is uh, it's a bit of a long-winded story, but um, we wanted some new lamps for every room in the B and B, uh, and we got two down here in Sussex, and we got the other four in uh, in Darlington, uh, where we were at the weekend visiting my little goddaughter Lucy and her big brother Noah and her mum and dad as well. And um, got them home on on Monday, went to plug them in, and one of them didn't work. So. Quickly looked, and the only place in the whole of the southeast of England where they still had any was Maidstone, London Road, which I understand is on the site of the former uh, football stadium there, where Maidstone used to play. Funnily enough, as we will know that we're discussing before they moved to Dartford uh, back in the 80s. So, yes, Matt Gerrard did me a huge favour by going and getting me that lamp. A little detour on his way over to Tumbridge Wells on Monday night. And uh, I'm delighted to say that this lamp now works. So if you do come here, you can use one of our fancy touch lamps with USB charging ports. How about that? Very good. Uh, okay, uh, when I started wearing Watch Dover in the early late 80s, early 90s, they must have closed that down because I've never been to London Road. It was uh, before, so if that was the football ground, so I understood where a football ground could be. So anybody knows me, my sense of direction is pretty terrible. So if I would never have found it if I didn't have my phone in because I don't know where I'm going basically without without that. I did find it and uh, yeah, so there you go. Favour done, John. So uh, no worries at all. What a man you are, Matthew. What a man you are. Yeah. You're in a different office today, I understand as well. Yeah, yeah I've been mo- there's a sales conference where I work at the moment, so the um, external people are down. So um, be, that office is being used. So I'm keeping a sort of a low profile. I'm in a bigger office that's not normally used. It's got no windows in, so you can't actually see. It's more used as a training thing. So I'm in there today. So um, yeah. But apart from that, uh, everything's fine. But a bit of snow. Did you have any snow where you were? No, not 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 a single flake so far. I'm told I'm told it's been quite bad down down your way. So are, are you all right? Because obviously, don't forget, podcast fans, that Matt did promise you that this Sunday there's going to be feet of snow. Is that is that right? Yeah. Well, I did, meet, I did hear that. But there, where I was in Broadstairs, uh, there wasn't any. Then I drove into where well, I am by Westwood Crosses, where I work, and there was quite a bit, and it started staying small in. So, um, so the car park was I had a light, light dusting where I parked my car. So, um, yes, yeah, so everybody was excited thinking you get sent home because those are the glory days of when it snows, but then it stops. So we won't be getting sent home. Oh, what a shame for you. And uh, you did promise us a good... Um... A good, a good uh, review of Stan and Ollie. So uh, you've got about twenty seconds to tell us all about that. Well recommended it. Very good. Very clever. Um, clever, clever men and clever performances by Steve Coogan and John Riley. Yeah, I don't really go to the cinema that much. So, um, but I really did enjoy the film. It was, yeah, it made me laugh. It made me cry, and it made you think. So, and I'm surprised it. I see the Oscars are out. I'm surprised it hasn't got a nomination for at least something because it was such a well-made film, and it all. You know, everybody I've spoken to has seen it. Absolutely loves it as well. But uh, yeah, recommendation. That is my Mark Comerd moment because I don't know next time I'll go to the cinema. Uh, anyway, so there you go. Excellent. Well, nothing, nothing much, nothing excited happening this week. It's just people. Well, I did have a, rang my mate up the other day. No names, and uh, and I rang him up, and uh, and he was speaking really slow like this. You know, and I said, "Oh, you're all right." I thought it's quite late. I said, "Oh, sorry, she misses him." But no, he said he was in A and E because he electrocuted himself. Blimey. Then basically, then uh, basically. Uh, I couldn't get, he said, well, I'll, I'll leave you to it at A&E. And then I couldn't get hold of him for 24 hours. But then he rang me and he's all right. But um, yeah, so but, yeah, he said it was the, uh, he's never known anything like it. But he's, he's alive. 
we will look back on it and laugh at it but he did, apparently he did it I won't give the details he went did something very very silly and we'll never do that thing again but uh, never mess with electricity that's what I say no that's very 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 true don't try anything like that at home unless you I did chuckle my, 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 when my wife knew who this um, person was it, it, it wasn't, he hasn't been a Wally has he so there you go so that mate with these but you're top man but even my wife when I told her she, she, that was her first comment Excellent. Well, it's our 68th episode this week, which is the age of my mum, who doesn't listen to the podcast, but as her birthday is in the podcast fallow season of July, she'll never get a birthday shout-out, so uh, that's uh, one reference for my mother. Um, there's also a band called 68. There's not a lot of imagination in band names these days, is there? And these ones are described as noise punk. I thought it was more my cup of tea than last week's lot, but um, yeah, what I listened to, it was... it was just English? Uh, American, yeah. It no, was a lot of, of shouting and noise, and, and uh, yeah, it wasn't really my thing, actually, um, in the end. Um, there's also a lot of mathematics. What about mothers? It's my mum's birthday this week, so there you go. So happy, she doesn't listen to the podcast either. So, um, so that's it, yeah, but she, it was my mum's birthday this week. So happy birthday, mum. If you do listen. Happy birthday to uh, Matthew Gerard's mum, and what, may I just take this opportunity to say that your son is a fine young man. So, I mean, Cheers, mate. Well, you are really light it on feet now, mate. Oh, no, I am, yeah. Uh, there's also lots of mathematical geekery around the number 68, none of it I understand. But talking of 68 and 68-year-olds brings us on to Maidstone United. In the last hour before we recorded the show, the Stones have issued a statement saying that they intend to appoint a new head of football, a new head coach and Simon Walton's player coach on Thursday. Now, we're fairly well connected and we both have sources that have indicated that the head of football at Maidstone United will be John Steele, who left his role as Barnet manager earlier this season. Steele, who is 68, was the manager who won the conference in 1989 to bring the Stones into the Football League. He left before they played the game, though, as he wanted to stay part-time, but now it looks as though he's back at the club. Uh, Tristan Lewis, who has been caretaker boss with Simon Walton, has left the Gallagher Stadium. Um, what do you make of it all then, Matt? It, John Steele's a name we've linked a couple of times. It, it, it's certainly in our private conversations with the opportunity at Maidstone. Looks like they're going for a new structure and he's going to be at the head of it. Yeah, hopefully you're going to launch this podcast after the announcement, because it would look pretty silly if they announce Mourinho on this, but we're pretty confident it is going to be John Steele. And I think it's a fantastic appointment. If you look at his record um, across football, it's amazing. He, he, he can spot a player um, from anywhere and you think the players he's built up from the non-league could have had a great career. Dwight Gale, Paul Benson, people like that, Craig McHale-Smith. Uh, and the overview in that statement seemed to think that he would have an overall range of football and looking at the scouting system. So uh, he's a football man. I, I don't know the reasons why he went upstairs with Barnet. I don't know if it was his decision or Barnet's decision. Maybe uh, they'll get to the bottom of that if and when he is appointed. So, um, yeah, but I think he's a football man. We're led to believe that another manager will come in who's managing the National League will come as the head coach. Uh, we might as well say it. It's taking a retting that we're led to believe who was his assistant at Luton when he got promoted. So, I think it's a fantastic appointment for, for Maystone United and hindsight's a wonderful thing and maybe they couldn't get him in September when Harry Wheeler came in. But they've gone for a, a decent appointment, I think, there. And uh, will he have enough to keep them up? It'll be interesting to see. Will he wheel and deal in the transfer market? It'll be interesting to see if he's got his budget. But uh, I think it's a really great appointment for Maystone United. And plus, the fans absolutely love it. The fans with uh, uh, longer memories will remember when they got I'm sure the younger fans have probably lived out on the... Um, on those times speaking to the, the older fans. So I think it's a, a fantastic appointment. So um, good luck to Maidstone. Of course, 
from a Kent point of view, we want all the Kent sides to stay up in the National League, and, and I definitely want Mason to stay up. But even if they go down, they've got the right man to bring them back up. And I think it's an exciting time now to be a Mason United fan, and maybe you haven't really said that over the last six months or so. Yeah, I do have the statement in front of me, which is why you probably heard some crowd noise, because when you went on the Maidstone website, it automatically started playing the highlights of their defeat to Dagenham on Saturday. Um, but it does say Maidstone United Football Club expect to announce the appointment of an experienced new head of football tomorrow, who will be responsible for team selection and recruitment of all professional players at the club. The club also expect to announce the full management team, which will include Simon Walton as a player coach. The new head of football intends to appoint a head coach and a scouting organisation as part of his team. Meanwhile, Tristan Lewis has left the club. We thank him sincerely for his enthusiasm, commitment and positive attitude and wish him well in the future. All agreements are in place subject to contract. Uh, more detailed information will be released on Thursday. And that is from Bill Williams, the Chief Executive. Um, I, I must admit that until you just name-dropped it there, Matt, I wasn't aware it was going to be Hay Retton. But uh, if he has left Braintree, what a result he went on. But as they beat Barnet 3-0, Steele's former club on Saturday, um, which a, a result that actually put Maidstone in even bigger strife at the bottom of the table. Yeah, it was, uh, the reports on Canada, they played pretty well against um, Dagenham, but didn't create the chances. And looking back at the goals they conceded, they weren't great goals, but and that's what they've got to work with. Maidstone got to work in the in, in the back line and going forward. My concern is they don't score enough goals. Um, got Romain and people like that. Robinson, they need a striker, somebody who's going to bang in five in five if they can get it. Because John still probably knows somebody who plays in the Essex County leagues who can do this job. So, and it'll be interesting to see that. Uh, if he goes back to Bar- uh, to Barnet to bring players in, uh, Jack Barham there, or quite rated when he played for Barnet against Dover, you know, he's on load at Welling. Will he look to bring players like that he's worked in with before? So, an interesting one. Also mentioning there, um, Tristan Lewis. Will he go back to Billericay? That will be a. I think the other part of the managerial team, the sports scientists, has gone back to Billericay. Do you expect uh, Lewis to return as well? Well, you never know, and, and you also wonder. Perhaps you mentioned Jake Robinson there. Could he go back to Billericay? Could they just say, because obviously he's a Harry Wheeler type player. Harry Wheeler is back at Billericay, if you, if you hadn't already heard that news. Um, could Jake Robinson end up just being have a very short spell and then that might free up a bit in the budget for, for John Steele? Well, it would be, I think Maidstone paid a fee for Robinson, so... Um, Sell him back. Uh, so, yeah, it could be from that point of view, but there could be a couple of players there. A couple, like Loza and Efferty, I think uh, Maidstone sold to Billericay and they didn't get a kick under, well, Loza had a couple of kicks under... Um, uh, under Lewis, uh, was it so, so they'll be interested to see where it goes from there. Yeah, but interesting times ahead. But again, um, yeah, good luck to Maystone. It really works out, but they've got a tough game this weekend, though. Well, they have. They've got a, a way to lead league leaders Leighton Orient on Saturday. Um, and, I mean, you look at the league table, it does look pretty brief. But then they are only six points inside the relegation zone with 16 games still to play. And, you know, anyone can make up those points because look where Dover were six, seven games ago and now look where they are now. So there's there, there's absolutely no reason why um, with the they will need to hit the ground running. I suppose, in, in a way, Leighton Orient away is a decent first game because it's a free hit. Have a look at these players. What are they worth? And then they go for it, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's got two free hits now because they've got Salford in the um, trophy the following week as well. So he's not going to get it. You know, he's hitting the ground very, very hard with those ones. So he'll look at that. Is it, you know, six, I suppose when you point at it, 16 games to go, six points in it, they can easily count that up. And, we'll, you know, and again, it won't be his players in, but I'm sure he knows players to bring in. We'll use the loan market. Hey, Rettin is quite 
good in the low market. He seems to have a lot of contacts over the place. He's got players from Forest, West Brom. I think the guy who's got a hat trick for um, Braintree on Saturday's uh, um, on loan from West Brom. So that may be a part they would do. I'm sure more players are going to be used by Maidstone. But again, one of the things we've seen, John, home form. We mentioned it last week. It's got to improve. Unfortunately, it didn't do on Saturday. He knows how many home games got left to go, maybe six or seven. If they can win five out of them, that gives them a chance, definitely. So, got to win your games at home. And maybe there'll be a feel-good factor. And the supporters who've been great anyway will get behind them. Yeah, talking of teams winning at home, uh, great result for Epsom United on Saturday, um, who beat leaders Leighton Orient um, at Stonebridge Road. Gary Hill's men just two points outside the playoff spots. This weekend, they go to Sutton, the team above them. So if they win that game, they will be in the playoffs. and that Or the playoff places. It was certainly a long way to go for them as well. But what what a turnaround. We, we've mentioned it before, but you, you just can't overstate how well Gary Hill has done there. I think he's done an absolutely magnificent job. Um, maybe it showed, you know, we, we were quite surprised if... If the finances, financial situation hadn't come out, we were quite surprised that Dale McMahon left the club. But Gary Hill, who's only brought in only one player, I think Gary McDonald, let a lot go. But he's, he's got them working, got them being strong at the back, beating a Latin Orient side. So it's, it, it's going in the right direction for them. You know, for three points of it. To me, I would say, looking at the league table, that the top six are going to go and they're playing for seventh place. A lot of sides playing for that, but there's no reason why Epstein can't be the side to beat Sutton. If they can put down a marker and beat Sutton, that is a fantastic result for them as well. So, interesting how they get on, but no, I think Gary Hill, I think he probably should have got manager of the month last month, but I think he's uh, definitely on a par with it now, but he's doing a really good job. And again, we know that Maystone, we keep going back to Maystone, we know that Maystone United uh, interviewed Gary Hill for the position, decided against it. Would Maystone be in this position now if they hadn't interviewed, if they had given the job to Gary Hill? It would be interesting to see. But that decision has been made. Maystone have moved on. Epstein have moved on. And full, full respect for Epstein. How could it be, John? They, after all the financial cutbacks they've had, could they get promoted this season? I, well, I can't see any reason why not, really, because it, it's all about having momentum and being in form. And you look at the league table, as I have been here, you, you've got Ebbsfleet United, they are eighth in the table, 47 points. They're only 10 points off the lead, which is, you know, you might look at that and say, well, it's still a long way to go. But they're in such good form at the moment. Their goal difference is creeping up. You know, they're, they're scoring goals now. They've got informed front men. They've got players playing well throughout. Chris Bush's free kick as well on uh, Saturday was a superb hit, wasn't it? And I, I don't see any reason that they would have nothing to fear. And, and, you know, you look at some of the teams above them. Obviously, Harrogate Town have been in a little bit of a shaky form. Wrexham, they've got previous for not really hanging on to this sort of situation. And then you've got Fylde, who, who we all expected to be up there. Um, and then Solihull Moors, how, how much longer can they continue? But then I suppose you do have to look at Salford City, who today have got another investor, chap you might have heard of, David Beckham. So um, I, I'd imagine Salford will probably still be famous, but I can't see any reason why Ebbsfleet can't get into those playoff places, cling onto them and push forward. Yeah, I think that the fixtures coming up for Ebbsfleet, Sutton, they've got Hartlepool at home, we're on the slide, then they've got Solihull at home, put down a marker, Harrogate away, the fixtures are good for them, I think, coming up to maybe to put down that marker from that. But of course, you look at Salford, to be honest, I want Salford to get promoted because we want to get rid of them because eventually they're coming up. But good luck to them. Yeah, I've got no problem with them coming in and, and doing it. They seem to be doing it right off the pitch. 
Good luck to them. I want the Salford promoted. I'd like Leighton Orient to be in this league again because it's good for the Southern Bay sides because it's big crowds. Yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting. And as you say, I don't think Salford, currently third in the table, are going to sort of settle for um, for, for the playoffs now, especially with, with their new investor on board. Um, and it's, it's, it's good to see because obviously... You know, they, as you say, they're doing it the right way. You can look at another club who we may have already mentioned here who perhaps aren't doing it the right way, but they seem to be building everything and looking in the right direction and just pushing up. So, yeah, um, good luck to them, I suppose, for the rest of the season. Apart from if Matt Jarb wants them to go up, let them go up. Um, one more game in the National League on Saturday that we should talk about, a Kent Derby, um, which ended in a 1-1 draw, all square at Crubble, Dover against Bromley. But come the final whistle, there were somewhat differing emotions as one team was ecstatic to hold on for a point, while the others were pondering just how they didn't overcome nine men. Our man Matt Job was on the scene, so tell us about it, Matt. Yeah, good game of football um, for 50-odd, 55 minutes. Um, Bromley started pretty well. Dover went in front. Good set-piece delivery. Brundle. Excellent on the set piece. Locko rose highest. Then uh, Bromley, Dover had given so many free kicks around the penalty area and Bromley hadn't really got it right. But they got it right. Walker punched it out and Mecky scissor kicked it in and I thought, oh, it's going to be an interesting game. But half time, I did say to Matt Cole, I fancy red cards here because the referee, you know, after 10 minutes when both sides are shouting at him, said how rubbish he was. You could see that from there. And I thought Effion was going to be, I wrote down on my piece of paper, Effion will get a red card in the second half because I think... Um, he was getting more and more frustrated with the referee because he kept, when he did make a foul, he didn't get blown up. When it wasn't a foul, when he used his body, he was um, he was getting uh, pushed up. So he was getting more and more frustrated. And I thought he would be the one who set off. But it all kicked off in about the 55th minute um, when there was a lot of handbags in the penalty area. And then there was like a 20 man uh, all coming together. It took an absolute age for the referee to go. And then we saw Jack Holland, who I think um, Jack Holland's a, a big defender. So when he went down, Polak's in the penalty area. We thought something had gone on. And after that, it was led that Gomez had basically nutted him um, from that point of view. So, uh, and then, but then it all went a bit farcical because the referee had no control of this because the, the linesman had spotted that Gomez had headbutted the uh, Holland. And then about two minutes later, he called over to the fourth official who then spoke to him for a minute and then Locko was sent off and which has since been rescinded because Locko didn't seem to do anything apart from trying to sort it out. So it was a bit of a farce. Uh, but I, and I said, I didn't think David would hang on. They managed to hang on. But Bromley's tactics, John, you know, you played plenty, plenty of football manager games. If you were down against nine men, what would your tactics have been? Well, you, you try and go for it, surely. I mean, not that I'm really the ideal candidate for that, because funnily <laughs> enough, I've, I've got a game with football manager on the go where I am Dover. And I played against nine man. Uh, I think it was Haven ended up with nine men against me and I only drew 1-1 as well. <laughs> Granted, the second red card was in like the 92nd minute, but uh, I'm having a bit of a struggle there. But certainly I'd, I'd be going for it. And, and you, you've got to look at it and say after the game, if you'd been playing against nine men for, for that long, you know, do, do, fair play to Dover hanging on. But you, from what you've said to me, it sounds like Bromley just didn't really sort of gamble enough. Yeah, we had 10 minutes of, stop, of um, stoppage time, and I think it's the first time I've ever seen anything more than 10. And also, this is the first time I've worked it out, first time in about 12 years, that they would have been down to nine men in a game. So, um, I don't think I was at that game, but from that point of view. Yeah, probably it was, you know, they kept the possession, as you would expect, but they kept going from side to side, from wing wing to the other. Plenty of ball outside the penalty, but nobody, apart from the fullback, once had a shot on goal. Because you had Dover were defending so deep in their own half, you thought, just hit it, because you could hit anybody and go in, Walker made that save. And again, for me, you know my love of long football sometimes. You'd have brought a boogie on them and just pump it up to them and see what it is because the knockdowns, you know, David couldn't do it. So, and Neil Smith said afterwards on PC Radio Ken, 
you know, he was disappointed because they didn't, nobody took control of the situation. So, right, let's stop doing this. Just get it in the box and see what happens. So, overall, it was a good point for Dover. Um, not a good day for the referees in the National League, I have to say. No, this weekend, Bromley are at home to Eastleigh, while Dover make the trip to Haven. And Dan McNamara's arrived at, at Crabble, Matt, I understand. Yeah, yeah, he's joined on loan. They've got problems at fullback. Now that Brundle, who's aim, is um, been playing absolutely brilliantly, he's been playing at fullback. Now Gomez is out for three games. We're led to believe it's three games, even though he's, his previous ban was for three games, but that was after a game. So I don't think two reds make it to four. But So it means Brundle can free up in midfield. Pasley seems to be injured, but McNamara... Apparently, I've spoken to somebody who is a Welling fan, and he said he's been very good for them. So we've gone in there, play at fullback, and we probably needed a bit of cover at fullback. And I think that's a position that's maybe open for Dover for next season. So it'll be interesting to see McMa- uh, McNamara, who's thinking Millwall's under 23 captain, will come in and see how he gets on. So yeah, and he'll be there. And I'm going to have him on Sunday. So have him, weather permitting, uh, see what he's like. But uh, at least that frees Brundle up into midfield, which will be good. Yeah, and, and haven't you've not been there before then? No, first time, new ground. But everybody, you might want to put the beeper on it. Everybody mentions, John, they think it's a hole. So there, did you put the beep on? Yeah, I'll put the beep on, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I've, I've been there once on a cold Monday night in November uh, where I saw Chelmsford City lose 3 0 to Haven and Waterlooville, um, which was uh, not a great night for, for anyone involved, really. I remember it being freezing cold and the, <laughs> the Chelmsford had a caretaker manager at the time and we had a brilliant chat on the record and then the off the record stuff was even better. Um, the Chelmsford were in a bit, of a, a bit of strife that year, but they managed to turn it around. Um, we'll Who was the manager then? Uh, it was just after they'd sacked Dean Holdsworth. So the caretaker manager was Kenny Brown, the former West Ham fullback. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. He was a nice fellow, actually. I got on really well I think he's him. been somewhere in... Um, has he gone to India or something like that now? I think he has, Kenny yeah. He's, he's certainly yeah. Done, done the rounds, hasn't he? So, But, uh, yeah, n- nice fella. Um, let's shake things up a bit then and move into the Southern Counties East League, where there's a new name at the top of the table. A seventh league win in a row means the Corinthian are the new leaders, with Connor Johnson's late goal seeing off AFC Croydon 2-1 on Saturday. Especially after a couple of weeks ago when Matt didn't even know where Corinthian are based, it seemed like a good time to have a refresher on them. So I caught up with their manager, Michael Golding, earlier today. Yeah, it's been a really positive start to the year, to be honest. Um, the last defeat was away at Chatham at the beginning of uh, December. So including the cup game away at Deal, we're eight, eight wins in a row. Um, club record and, and it's a good place to be at the moment. Did you expect that you'd be able to sort of put this sort of run together and, and to go top of the table as well? Um, you always have faith and you always believe in what, what you've got in your own dressing room and the changing room. Um, I think it's widely known that we don't have a budget. So for us to be up there competing is probably a bit of a surprise to a lot of people. Um, but like I say, we know what we've got in and around the changing room and we have full faith in the boys that we can achieve our objectives. It's been a wide open league for most of the season, hasn't it? And, and, and it's always been, looked like a team, any sort of team of, of five, six, seven that put a run together could start to make moves. And that's exactly what you've done. Yeah, we've said to the boys a few times that it's going to be the team that goes and wins 10, 12 games, goes unbeaten for 14, 15, 16 games that will be the one that, that ends up in and around it at the top. Um, there's obviously some massive teams in this league spending a lot of money. Um, so again, like I say, for, for us to be in and around competing with it is massive credit to our, to our group of boys. Well, when you say obviously you have it and, and there are other teams that, that are spending money, do, do you worry therefore that when your team's playing well that some of your players might be sort of snappled by elsewhere? To be honest, it's happening more and more over the last few weeks. 
Um, a lot of teams in our division are starting to sniff around players now, whether that's to unsettle the good thing that we've got going on or um, they're genuinely interested, we, we don't quite know. But we have had over the last three or four weeks quite a few approaches. Um, but credit to the boys, they've bought into what we what we offer um, and what we want to do. And, and we haven't lost anyone that that was in the first team picture um, it's frustrating and obviously we'd rather it didn't happen but again the boys are doing well so it's only natural that people are going to look at us but but like I say there, there are more and more looking and trying to unsettle what we are doing um, so even even that makes it even more incredible what we've achieved so far and you've got Holland and Blair on, on Saturday people would look at that and say well it's top against a team struggling near the bottom but you can't take any team for granted can you? No, absolutely not. They got a really good point away at Beckenham in their last league game. Uh, they beat Holmesdale last Saturday in the Cup, so they'll be coming in uh, with a bit of confidence. They've improved massively from what we've been told um, from the start of the season, and, and they're scrapping for their lives down at the bottom. I think they'll stay up. I think they've got more than enough to stay up. Um, but, but we have to be absolutely on it as soon as we start to think that we've achieved anything or that we're that we're too good to compete and battle against sides. That's where we'll come unstuck. So no, we'll be we'll be approaching it in the, the correct manner. Absolutely. And it's always one of those situations. Can you go up? Have you applied to go up? Do you want to go up? Absolutely, we want to go up. Um, that's, that's, that's why we're in the league, to win the league and, and to go up. Um, I believe um, the application process for the scaffold going to the Bostic has changed that you don't have to apply anymore. Um, but if we do have to apply then we definitely have the club a few years ago before I was in charge came unstuck slightly they didn't apply for promotion one year uh, and then other managers were getting into players saying oh you've got no ambition you've not done this so the club have made a point of each of the last four or five seasons regardless of where we've been in the league of applying for promotion in the worst in the best case scenario that something was to happen um, and we could we could um, go up but the ground grading's fine um, the ground has been improved slowly over the last few years so it, it came down to what we can do on the pitch and like I say absolutely we want to go up um, there's still a long way to go we, we've not really spoken about it at all um, obviously going top of, top of the weekend a few of the boys have, have now started to maybe show a little bit of belief and a little bit more um, that we can get there but there's still a very very long way to go and, and, and I suppose you say you haven't really spoken about it so I suppose my next question of you know, what would anything change if you did get promoted is probably pretty futile isn't it? Yeah, like I said, what I don't want to do is turn around and go, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, if and when we go up, um, and then we don't win any of our last 15 games, and it all gets a little bit embarrassing. Um, but in terms of things changing, like we, we've not had the chat with the chairman. Like I said, we're not taking anything for granted. We know exactly what we are. We know exactly what we've got to do for the rest of the season. Um, there won't be a budget or anything like that, if, that, if that's what the question's implying. Like we, we are a club that operates without a budget, um, and the boys are aware of that and um, we'll have to deal with that if and when we were to go up and obviously the the, the Corinthian thing without having the budget it's it's, it's a great model isn't it and, and I guess it'd be it would be good if there were more clubs in that sort of situation yeah I mean you have to buy into it you have to understand that there are frustrations with it um but what we do give is we give stability to players. We're not a team that's going to go out like some others in the top six and sign three, four different players every other week because they've not got the right result. We've got a group of players that we've worked with from pre-season. We've added four players to that throughout the year um, that have either replaced players or come in to improve the squad. And I think the players appreciate that Although we haven't got any money and we don't offer them anything along along those lines, we will help them in terms of their training. We will help them progress 
uh, individually and also we will be competing in the, the upper echelons of the league and, and in a cup quarterfinal. And obviously, um, the uh, Corinthian Twitter people are, are pretty on the ball and they include the, the podcast in a lot of tweets. And also, um, your celebrity fan, Mr Sam Billings, he, he's got a family link to the club, hasn't he? Yeah, so Sam is the nephew of the chairman um, and obviously he, he's doing very, very well with his cricketing career but he gets down to watch whenever he can. Um, he brought a few of the Kent lads down to watch a few of our games at the end of last season. Adam Milne was down and a few others. Um, so it's always good and Sam Sam comes and joins in training every now and then. Um, so yeah, I think when Sam retweets or likes one of our tweets then, then we get a few more followers. And he's, um, he, he was quite a footballer as a youngster as well so can he still mix it with the boys when he's playing? When he's training? <laughs> Yeah, he does all right. I think um, I think he builds his own press on how good he actually was when he was a bit younger. Um, but, but no, he, he's, a, he's a tasty footballer. He's got a little bit about him, to be fair. And I'm sure he'll thank me for that later. And uh, at the end of the season, I suppose your, your aim is to just keep on going and see where it takes you. It is exactly that. It's one game at a time. It's all the old cliches come out. We trained last night. We said to the boys, although it was snowing, we, we said we worked hard. Um, we, we have a full awareness of exactly what we are. We have a full awareness of each week we have to ha uh, approach each game as it comes on its own merits. Uh, the last two games, Canterbury and AFC Croydon, have been probably two of the most physical games I've experienced. They've been complete battles for 90-plus minutes. Uh, and I'm not expecting anything different this week. And I think the boys are aware of that, that just because we're top at the moment, things could change in a week's time, in a couple of days' time. Um, we just have to keep approaching each game. We have to keep trying to tick it off and move on to the next one. What a great story that is, Matt. They, they don't pay a budget, uh, or they don't pay their players, and yet here they are, in form and top of the league. Fantastic achievement. Yeah, I think... Uh... It's a, that's the hardest job in football you know it's all to have all the money in the world it's difficult to do it but you've got players who probably can get money elsewhere but you've managed to keep them and not playing with a budget and also being successful you've got to have, um, put your hats to them and I, I like his thing you know we're not in this league to, to make up the numbers they want to get promoted at the moment they're the side in, in a way eight wins on the spin fantastic and I, you know, I really admire how clubs like that run to be honest because you know that's the life and blood of football, these teams. It's all very much paying thousands and thousands of pounds of players. If you can get players in who want to play and you're not paying any money, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and I think it's, it was interesting what you said there that, you know, sometimes because they're not paying any money, he, he gets a feeling that maybe other clubs and other people try to unsettle his players. And, and he's very lucky with the group of players that he's got at the moment that they're all very committed to the Corinthian cause. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's brilliant from that point of view. Maybe... Football's get a bad reputation. They chase the money, but you know maybe they've got a good system down there. It works for them. I mean, you never know. There could be bigger clubs eventually who might want to take them on, but that can work in Corinthians' favour. So, really, really good from that point of view. And Sam Billings sounds a bit like me. Would mention that statement, John. He, he bigs up his footballing ability. I've been doing that for about forty years. There are some stories. If you search for Sam Billings, you, you can see there's a few little bits and pieces where he said, "Oh yeah, I scored a lot of goals for." when I was a youngster and I think he might have had a trial at Tottenham or something but um, having watched Sam Billings play cricket a lot he certainly would, would do well to be better at football than he is at cricket but um, it, it was very interesting that he comes down to training every now and then and shows off what he's got a very interesting story that yeah I think it's good I don't know a lot of the um, Kent boys uh, there's sort of some of the Kent players uh, know quite a few of the non-league players I think they're around so there's quite a bit of linkage between the two I think um Darren Stevens been at a couple of Dover games. I know Chris Kinnear Junior is very friendly with a few of the Kent players. So uh, I think the Hive manager knows one as well. 
Of course, of course, yes. We'll then I'll forget the Den League brothers. So, yeah, I think there's a good link between non-league football. Probably if you went back 50 years, John, you'd probably have players wielding the willow to Kent in the, in the summer and also kicking people in the uh, in the Kent Leagues back in the day. Well, can, can you name two players, or I can tell you, recent Kent cricketers who've played football locally in Kent as well? Uh, Dave Masters is one. Dave Masters is one, correct. You play for Lordswood. He's a bit of a machine going forward. He's quality in the air, Dave Masters, when I was on the front. And the other one uh, is still a yeah. cricketer, but not for Kent. Oh, Peter Trigo. Peter Trigo is correct. There you go. Matt and, he, and, he, and he scored for Margate, didn't he? He scored it he did. when he was goalkeeper. Yes, he scored at Ashford, didn't he? Well, whacking it in. So yeah. He's had a quality career, Peter Trigo. He he's like a 2021. Because he didn't do too much at Kent. But, and I think he was quite popular at Margate because Chris Kinnear um, had him as well. Yeah, but he scored. Yeah, he scored. I mean, yeah, you don't normally get a goalkeeper. You'd have thought he'd been a weak rather than a, a medium, stocky medium pacer who could whack the ball a mile. Well, exactly, yeah. Um, elsewhere in the scaffold this weekend, um, it was Cray Valley 2, Canterbury City 0. Uh, Glebe were beaten 3-1 at Crowborough. It was Deal 2, Punjab 2. Lordswood were 3-1 winners over Irith Town. And Sheffield United put 4 against past Croydon without reply. It was also the quarterfinals of the Kent Senior Trophy. And the side from Jersey, St Peter, is still going after beating Tunbridge Wells 11-10 on penalties following a 3-3 draw at the Culverden. Chatham Town beat Bearsted 2-0. Hollands Blair won 3-1 at Holmesdale. And Beckenham complete the last four with a 2-1 win at Fisher. We should also mention the Kent Senior Cup as well, which I think we've neglected somehow this season, Matt. Uh, Maidstone, the holders, reached the semi-finals on Tuesday after beating Dartford. Uh, Bromley and Gillingham already in the last four. And either Tumbridge Angels or Ebbsfleet will join them next week with the draw to follow very soon afterwards. Um, it, it, I suppose this is where the competition gets interesting and, and good sides left in the hat, Matt. Yeah, I mean, look at look at the Maystone side they played yesterday. I know they could have sent the academy boys um, from that point of view, but I'm sure John Steele was probably watching uh, from from the stands. And they played that. Both teams play played a, a decent amount of uh, first teamers, so that's uh, pretty good. So yeah, I think it's maybe a good time. Yeah, Stones beat Dufford eight seven on penalties. So that's an absolute cracker in the pouring in the pouring snow as well there. Yeah. But yeah, interesting to see where the final be this year if Maystone can get there. That'd be interesting to see as well. Well, it was at Maystone last year when they got there. Yeah, we were there, I know. Exactly. They didn't get, if they didn't get there, would they still play at Maidstone? I think so, yeah. I think that's where... Couldn't Gillingham and Charlton play in the final together? Well, not this year. Um, well, they Charlton out? Or yeah, Charlton lost to Bromley last week, so... Oh, uh, oh yeah, they did. Sorry, they yeah. cut then, yes. Well. So, I'll be interesting to see, but I, I think they, they like the Gallagher Stadium as, the, as their venue for the final, so right. um, it's quite, quite handy for them, really. Um, this Saturday in the Southern Counties East League, in the Premier Division, it's AFC Croydon against Tunbridge Wells, Beersted against Crowborough, Chatham against K-Sports, Corinthian against Hollands and Blair, Croydon against Canterbury City, Deal Town against Cray Valley, Irith Town against Sheppey United, Fisher against Russell, a 2pm kick-off that one, and Punjab United against Beckenham Town. And in the First Division, it's Irith and Belvedere against Lyd, Forest Hill Park against Snodland, Greenways against Stansfeld, Holmesdale against Bryden Ropes, Kennington against Kent Football United, Phoenix Sports Reserves host Lewisham Borough, Western United take on Meridian, and Sutton Athletic meet Welling Town. Um, talking of Welling, actually, in the National League South, Welling were 1-0 winners over Eastbourne Borough on Saturday, but the story is off the pitch there, where the budget has been cut and some staff members have moved on. But boss Steve King says that he'll be sticking around to see out his two-year contract. Back up to fifth, the Wings travel through the Darford Tunnel on Saturday to face Billericay, who, as we've already mentioned, have got Harry Wheeler back as manager. So, a uh, tough game, that one, for Welling, I suppose. Tougher than it would have been a fortnight ago, perhaps. Yeah... Again, you always that sort of time of the year. Um, again, I think not having a cup run 
probably affected them. Steve King's done a very good job. Lost a few key players. I see Patterson, or I see on Saturday for Havertz gone there. He, he was um, uh, gone on. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see. Well, in always the club that doesn't seem to uh, get to a point, but then financial problems have an issue. But Steve King's. You know not about this before in your career. The jobs he's been all over the place. He knows that he works in this situation, and it'll be interesting to see how they can get on against Billericay. And will Billericay now rise? Don't think they can win the league. So uh, from the playoffs, but a big game. If Wellington can put down a marker there. Steve King can galvanise his troops. They may have a chance in that. But it'd be an interesting game. But I do feel for the Wings fans. Yeah, Chelmsford City's late goal hoodoo over Dartford continued as two late strikes gained the Clarets a 2-1 win in Essex on Saturday. And the turnover of players continues at Dartford. And Matt, I think you've got some stats about this, have you? Well, uh, I was going to mention to you, I was going to do some stats, John. Right, so if I work out the side here, if you can, can you write these down? Because I've only got my phone I'm working on here. How many of these players do you think would have played, we'll guess in a minute, would have been the first game of the season? From there, if my phone can get bigger. Right. I was thinking about it. So, they had Bailey Vose in goal. Well, he wouldn't have been in playing. We'd have got uh, Tom Bonner, Dan Johnson would have been at Bromley, Ronnie Vince was there, Crook, Healy, Greenhow, Hayes, Winter, Showing and Robert. I think only maybe three of those players would have started on the first game of the season. Three or and look four, at the bench as well. But, uh, so we'll have a look at Bonner, that. Bonner, so, Vince, Greenhow, I would suggest. But, you know, other ones, Sheringham wasn't there, Winter's on loan. Uh, Anita might be you see the uh, thing from there let me just if I can if you talk for a minute John I'll get my stats up and then we'll go from there yeah obviously Matt while he's looking up his uh, on his stats there he is um, he mentioned the name Joe Healy there and we were talking about him the other week, actually, in a conversation not on the Kent Omni podcast. Um, but Joe Healy has signed on at Dartford, reuniting with Jamie Coyle. And he'll be hoping that he can hit, find the sort of form he had at Welling last season um, because he was a, a real key man. Certainly around the Christmas period when I was watching Welling play quite a bit, he looked like a, a, a real asset. And that kind of gives a little bit more steel to that midfield for Dartford, uh, who, as we said, have, have, have had so many changes this season. Obviously, they changed their manager. Long-serving managers moved on. They've had players come and have players go and you just kind of wonder how how you can sort of manoeuvre it from there really and 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 you know it's stability is always key at this sort of level and if you haven't got that then you're always on the back foot Matt how's your stats going good timing John yeah Joe Healy always well, he was brilliant for Dover in the season half, well, half a season he was there gets forward he puts a tackle in and can score goals so in that game it looks like Connor Vince and Greenhow were involved. Anika was on the in the starting lineup, but you look at the players there, they really changed it around. Um, interesting times, I think, for Darford. I'm not a big fan, even though, again, go back to Macy, we may see them will have a turnover of players. I think, um, yeah, it, maybe it's not going to work. And I feel for them a bit there, particularly the supporters. You mentioned that late goal against Chelmsford, kick them in the teeth a little bit. And that maybe shows to me that maybe. The turnover of players is too much now for them. And I think maybe, unless Healy can kickstart them, they need to, so they need from now on to the end of the season, have a solid lineup week in, week out, and maybe that can push them into the blacks. But I, 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 one of the guys I work with is a big uh, Dartford fan, and he'll be coming down for the conference in the next couple of days. So I'm going to quiz him and find out how many players he thinks they may have used this season. But I'm thinking it may even be near him. Nearer, nearer 50 than 40, I would have thought. It does sound like it, doesn't it? They're, they are at home on Saturday to Adam Flanagan's former club, Concord. Um, into the Bostick Premier League. Uh, Margate lost 1-0 at 10-man Haringey on Saturday. Disappointing for them, especially because they played against 10 men for so long. Uh, they're away to another high-flying team in Lewis uh, tonight. 
I was half tempted to go to that because it's not far, but do you know what? It's far too cold for any of that nonsense, even though it's free entry um, at that game for everybody. Um, well, they're doing it free entry because it was cooled off before, are they? I, well, I assume so. That and the mixture of the fact that it's absolutely Baltic here. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's all. I've very... never been to Lewis's Ground. It's quite open as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's on my list of places that I want to go, actually. I will go along there at some point, but not tonight, I don't think, especially because, obviously, we've now recorded the podcast, so it would all be a little bit outdated if I did get any interviews when we were up there. Um, on Saturday, two early goals sank Folkestone in, uh, in Victor at Brighton City Regent. Or Tom Angels won a thriller, 4-3 at Bishop Stortford, and they were due to play at Wingate and Finchley on Tuesday night, but the snow had other ideas. Match postponed, and the picture I saw of that really made that look like a straightforward decision, Matt. Yeah, it was a lovely pitch, wasn't it? That was a really great picture. Um, they said they've got a lot of snow round up that way, away, but yeah, the right decision, and I think probably Tunbridge would have got there, but uh, we're in that time of the season now, John, that we may see a lot of games called off, and this is where we'll probably see the rhyme the Boston, Devon Bostick Premier League Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday teams will start playing soon. Well, exactly. You, you, that, they obviously are on the sort of front foot because they've got fewer teams now. But uh, yes. yeah, I would imagine there's still going to be issues. This weekend, uh, Nicky Ball is back at Hartsdown Park as Margate take on Le- Leatherhead. It's Tunbridge Angels against the leaders Harangay Borough and Folks and Victor are at home to Kingstonian in the Bostick League Premier Division. So interesting to see what happens there. Uh, no midweek games for any of our teams in the Bostick League. Um, at all. In the Bostic League South uh, East Division, as it's now called, uh, Ashford continued their great form by becoming the second team in a row to put seven past struggling Greenwich Borough, a result which takes him up to third. And Matt, you were telling me about Greenwich Borough, because we did talk about it a bit last week. A, a bit of a sad story, that, isn't it? Yeah, from the source I got, basically um, the owner of the club died um, and his family didn't want to keep investing in uh, the football club. So that's some of the, maybe some part of the story that they were doing so well, but they're not getting invested in uh, too much at the moment. But uh, hopefully they can um, regroup because they've had a couple of absolute spankings in the last couple of weeks. Well, indeed. Ashford are up to third, but they're still 15 points behind Cray Wanderers, uh, the leaders who were 3-1 winners over uh, VCD Athletic on Saturday. Elsewhere, last weekend, there was a baptism of fire for new sitting ball manager, um, Chris Lynch, who obviously we spoke to last week, as his side were beaten 4-0 at Ramsgate um, by former City Bowl manager uh, Nick Davis as well. Um, there was a 0-0 draw between Town and Seven Oaks Town, despite Seven Oaks playing almost half an hour with 10 men. Alex Teniola scored the only goal as Phoenix beat Horsham by one goal to nil. And Faversham Town had a, had a good win in a, uh, in a derby clash, coming from 1-0 down to win 2-1 at Whitstable. And that's a much-needed result for their joint managers. Matt. Yeah, um, it's still a big derby from that game from there. I think that the tweets coming out from Faversham, they did deserve to win that game, so they're absolutely delighted moving away from the, from the drop zone. So, yeah, they needed that, I think, uh, Danny Chapman and Phil Miles. But Whistable, gaining consistency there. But Ashford seems to be the side on, in good form right, under, uh, under Tommy Warlow. Yeah, Faversham obviously needed that result because this weekend they're at home to Cray Wanderers. Um, Whitstable Town go to Greenwich Borough. Will they be the third team in a row to hit seven against uh, against Greenwich? Herne Bay host Hastings on Saturday. It's Horsham against Ramsgate. Seven Oaks against East Grinstead. Sittingbourne against Haywards Heath. Three Bridges against Ashford United. Uh, VCD Athletic against Hythe Town. And Phoenix Sports go to Whiteleaf. I should also mention as well that Sittingbourne were beaten 2-1 by VCD on Tuesday night in a game that I did have on my list, but I managed to... Uh, surpassed before we got to the fixture. Another thing also which we should mention as well is the FA Vars, which uh, you may remember that uh, Canterbury City were drawn to play Coventry United. Uh, unfortunately, Coventry United have been removed from the competition after um, 
playing Kevin Thornton in the previous round uh, when they played Leicester Nirvana. Um, Unfortunately, uh, Coventry United say it was a simple, unintentional mistake caused by our interpretation of information displayed within the FA's system with catastrophic consequences. Um, they they thought he was he, they thought his suspension hadn't started. It had started, um, and obviously it been... seems to be that everybody complains about the FA system, don't they? Being so complicated, always caught out. Maybe the FA could invest some money that makes it easy for these clubs to do it. There you go. That's me putting down a, a marker. Against the FA. Yes, um, so um, Leicester Nirvana have been, <laughs> have been reinstated to the Vars and it will now be them who play Canterbury City in that tie, which is on the 2nd of February um, at Salters Lane. So that'll be a big game. And, and, I need to get a new it, song for the Nirvana. What's my other favourite song? I'll have to read, listen to my Nirvana Unplugged CD that I used to listen to all the time. That's a fantastic album. Yeah, I'll have to get. Do you want me to carry on doing? Da, 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 or I get a new song next week. Um, it's it's entirely up to you. I'd I'd probably prefer it if you did neither. But yeah, you'll do what you'll do. <laughs> no, I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I need to get. Yeah, I'll think of something. But Excellent. that is my. That, mm. If you are listening, that is my interpretation of "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Of course, if you're a big uh, Nirvana and music fan, you'd have definitely got that. First time, yeah, I reckon that was. You know what? When Kurt Cobain wrote that song, what nearly thirty years ago, I'd imagine that was exactly the interpretation he was hoping for one day. I think it would be fifty now, Kurt Cobain. That really is. You're getting well. I'm getting old. When you think Kurt Cobain, if he survived or lived, even he would have been fifty. Well, Dave Grohl was fifty, wasn't he? I was going to say Dave Grohl, the uh, the legend who went on to form uh, Nirvana. He is uh, he did celebrate his fiftieth birthday last week. So uh, yes, it does kind of show, doesn't it? But I mean, well, you're looking at what twenty five years this year since probably yeah, ninety four. I think it was yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, it could be twenty five years. So twenty five yeah, years yeah, in April. A, so, yeah, what a, some tunes that was. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly, and, and I do hope, as as we said before, that Leicester Nirvana do come out. <laughs> If you've never heard the song Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, go and listen to it. That sounds nothing like it. It's getting worse. Yeah, it's the beginning time, bit. Is it? Hello, hello. <laughs> I should do that, shouldn't I? Do it again. Do that Nirvana bit and I'll do a different bit. Leicester Nirvana. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, Coming soon to the X Factor, Matthew Gerrard. Um, I've, I've had enough now. This is going to be the end of this week's podcast. Fortunately, it was anyway. Um, thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, and thanks very much to Michael Golding for chatting to us this morning as well um, about the uh, about Corinthian. And, and good luck to them this weekend as they play Hollands and Blair on Saturday. Um, Oh, good luck to, to all of our Kent teams, actually, because it's a, another busy weekend. Hopefully, most of the games are going to survive the weather. Um, obviously, I, I know you've got a bit of a snow down there. But it's nice and gloriously sunny here at the moment. So, um, you know, get games around here will probably survive. And I know Ramsgate aren't too far away um, this weekend. So, be interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, you take care of yourself on the way to Haven't, Matt. I, I hope you have a, a, a safe trip down there. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. Um, we are on Twitter, of course, at Kent NL Podcast, and we are on Facebook at Kent Non League. So please feel free to get in touch if you've got anything you want to say about this week's show or anything that's going on at your club. But you know, to tell us something about your team that, if we're not talking about your club, that we should be talking about, then please do let us know because we are busy men. We do we don't always have as much time to look at stuff as we would like to, but it's always nice to uh, to hear from people about what is going on in and around the county. But yeah, thanks very much for listening to the Kent Non League Podcast. I'm John Phipps. He's Matt Gerrard, and we shall speak. To you all next week. It's freeze that, but isn't it? Is it really a soul?